Hey, good morning. Great to have you here this morning. Before we get started with worship, I just want to let you know about a few announcements we have. Uh, first of all, we have this event coming up called First Steps. It's basically just a, a class, kind of a luncheon, uh, where we tell you a little bit about you know our story, where we've been, where we're at now, where we feel God is calling us to go, and just kind of how you fit into that whole thing. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that if you never have been before. Don't let the name deceive you. This isn't just for uh, new people that are, that are coming to church. This is something we want everybody to go through. So I really want to encourage you to be a part of that. It's going to be on April 30th. We meet after the Commit Sunday School Hour. We provide lunch. And so after lunch, then we'll have a brief meeting and it'll be led by our leadership. So we really want to encourage you to be a part of that. You should have received a letter in the mail about that with an RSVP card. You can just fill that out real quick, just a couple boxes and send that back to us as soon as possible. Uh, we'd love to know if you're coming to that or not. If you didn't get a letter in the mail, just shoot us an email at harpchristianchurch2 at gmail.com and let us know uh, who you are, how many people you have coming, and that's all we need from you. So really hope that you will join us for that on April 30th. I also want to remind you about our camp barrel item. We collect a bulk item every year for the camp to support them. We, we've got a great camp right here in our backyard and we are so fortunate for that. So make sure you visit the camp website, get your kids signed up for camp. But we also collect this bulk item every year for the camp to support them. And this year it's green beans. And so we need those great big number 10 cans. We need 40 of them. And I know this is kind of hard to lug around. So we actually have a donation box out in the foyer. If you'd like to just give money to support that cause, you can, it's $5 a can and you're welcome to bring cans of green beans in we want to thank those of you who have already done that uh, but if it's easier for you just to donate money you can do that as well so whatever is easier for you I do want to let you know we do have that financial need met we did have one person donate all the money to cover all 40 cans uh, but whatever we raise in addition to what we need we're gonna put that towards the camp cabin that we're trying to pay off for them so I uh, want to let you know about that so please uh, keep giving uh, we would love to to be able to kind of chip away at that debt for them I want to remind you that we do have youth group this weekend for junior high and high school. It starts at five o'clock here at the church. And one final item for uh, children's ministry, the glow party's coming up. Hopefully you don't have to reschedule it like two and three times like we did last year. That's coming up and it's scheduled on the 28th. So make sure you check out the announcements for more information about that. That's all I have for you today. Let's stand together and let's worship this morning.
Good morning, church. Glad that you're all here. This is our third um, birth announcement of the year. That is so exciting to have a church with young families that is growing. So I just wanted to, to introduce the newest arrival of the Mowen family. This is Crew. He arrived March 25th, early in the morning at 619. And he was welcomed by big brother Waylon, who was five, and little sister Oakland, who is two, um, mom Brittany, dad Aaron. Um, I asked how they were adjusting, and they said they just can't get enough of, of him. So they love him so much. I think he's a good little sleeper so far, right? So as you can tell, they're super, super cute. So we um, just wanted to pray over you guys, you know, bless you guys. And we're so thankful that you're a part of this church. Um, and so if you would go to God in prayer with me. Dear Lord God, we come before you just humbled to be in your presence. Thank you for your spirit and that it is in this place. Thank you for this special family and the gift that you've given to them with their children and, and the blessing that that is. We just pray for protection over them and that they would lead and um, guide their family through you and your word. I pray that as a church, Lord, that we will come alongside them and we will wrap our arms around them and, and build them up where we can, encourage them, um, follow them along in their journey with you. Lord, also at this time, we'd like to pray for our church. There has been a lot of loss and grief this week um, in our community and, and those friends and family that we have. And I just pray for comfort and peace, Lord, only that you can give for that healing um, that you can bring. Thank you again for this church. I just pray for the words um, and the music that will um, be done today. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, and it's all possible because of you. It's your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship. Yes, 
Jesus, you. 
Good morning. Um, this morning, um, I'd like to read from Matthew 20, 26 through 28, and then Galatians 6, 9. Not so with you. Instead of whoever wants to become great among you, you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. And from the Galatians, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Uh, this past week, and now we've lost a couple of our uh, loyal uh, workers from our church, and uh, Donna Grisham and Joanne Sigworth, and um, through the passing of that, it just made me think, and through um, Joanne's service yesterday, that just what kind of servants they were. They, they were members and, and part of this church probably for 50 plus years, each one of them, and did anything almost that anybody asked. Um, this, I'll just read what I've got. This past week we lost and celebrated the life of a loyal servant of God, Joanne Sigworth. She was an example of Christ, follower who lived her life faithfully, serving others. To, to the very end of her life, she looked for opportunities to serve others, even with her health issues. Nate said in her service she didn't think about the things she couldn't do, but always looked for things that she could do. And Donna was the same way. They, they were um, just always looking for things that they could do to help other people. And this is, this is such an example for us, using our gifts to serve and help others till the very end on this, the very end that we have on this earth. Through this, Jesus was our ultimate example of this. He took it to the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for our sins. As we take these emblems this morning, uh, which re represent this sacrificial servant that we had, we just need to look at things that we can do for others.
intro. Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Thankful for the opportunity for us to gather together and to worship and to praise and uplift and glorify the only name under heaven by which we are saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Uh, when Pastor Nate had asked me if I'd be available to help out this week, I, I, I'm always grateful and very humbled um, to be considered uh, someone who, who is trusted to be able to stand in this pulpit and to share the word. And so thank you, brother, for the opportunity. Um, he had a very full week this week. I think a lot of people had a pretty full week. And, but I, I don't see that as a negative. I see that as a positive, that, that we are being active servants for the kingdom, for the king. And I think that's great. Every opportunity that we have to, to share and to share love and truth and to proclaim and to reflect light, we should take it. We should absolutely take it. So this morning, I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, um, going to be stepping in on, on Pastor Nate's uh, series of First John. Um, we're actually going to be in First Corinthians chapter 15. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I, I encourage you to, to, to go ahead and turn to First Corinthians 15. If you don't have Bibles, we have pew Bibles that are provided for you. Highly encourage you to grab those. Uh, you, you're welcome to access your scriptures if you're one of those individuals who like your, your electronic device. That's, that's completely fine. Uh, I want to encourage you to be in the Word this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, specifically focusing on verses 1 through 8. But for context, this morning we'll be reading 1 through 11. And, and just to, to kind of give um, an, an intro or, or, or laying out kind of a directive this morning, uh, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and reminding them of a specific life that they are supposed to live. And their life is supposed to be set firm upon a specific foundation. Now, how we live is one of the greatest indicators of what is important to us. I, I have uh, family back home in Oklahoma who are, are avid OSU Cowboy fans. And it's very evident that they are OSU Cowboy fans by the way that they dress, uh, by the vehicles that they drive, all the different decals that you could put on a vehicle because of your favorite sports, college sports team, uh, by, by their house, how many orange flags that they could put out in front of their house. It is very, very evident that they are fans of Oklahoma State University. And, and, and not that I have anything against uh, OSU Cowboys. I actually, my, my dad is an OSU Cowboy. My mom's an OU Sooner. And, and so uh, I, I went pro, and I, I don't have a college favorite team. So, um, But how we live is one of the greatest indicators of what, if, of what is important to us. And this surely is a statement that I don't think a lot of people will disagree with. What we invest our time in, what we spend our money doing, what we pursue and what we like, all show to be good markers of the things that we put at a high priority in our life. And these priorities shape our lives, and they influence our interactions with other people who are around us. Whenever I had the opportunity to go and see my mom, uh, and I went through Stillwater, Oklahoma to spend time with my sister. She is actually employed and works for the college, and uh, I knew that I was in the right place because everything is OSU Cowboy Orange. 
And, and I, I, I have a bit of colorblindness that is, has been medically diagnosed, and I know what the color orange looks like, and, and so I'm never questioning such things, but it's just very evident that this is a very prideful town. Uh, we, we are very thankful for the opportunities that we are given in academics and sports, and, and so it's, it's very prominent in the kind of life and the things that they see as high priorities. And it got me thinking as I'm driving through Stillwater and then I'm heading through down I-35 into Oklahoma City and you're seeing the signs for all these other uh, high school towns and, and then you're, you're, you're also seeing signs for Norman. Um, and it, and it, it kind of struck my heart that these things that we wear practically on our sleeves, we wear them on our shirts, but what about being a follower of Christ? And again, please don't hear me um, saying anything negative to have a favorite sports team or, or to set uh, certain things within your life as, as something that you appreciate. I'm, I'm not speaking against that at all. My own personal question for myself is that if I, if I am as, as, as staunch as a, a fan of certain things, how is my faith and my relationship of a follower than I am of Christ. Now, I'm not going to go out and buy a whole bunch of decals to put on my wagon. <laughs> that uh, I'm not going to put John 3.16 on there. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything like that uh, because I, I think that a lot of times actions speak louder than words. I, I don't want my car to represent me and my faith. I want my actions and my words. I, I want the foundation by which I stand upon to be evident in the things that I say and the things that I do. And the same is true with the church. The collective group of individuals meant to be on a mission together, keeping the bond of unity, exalting the Lord over all things, not compromising the treasures of heaven with the things of this earth. I was very thankful to be a part of yesterday's service. Pastor Nate gave a great eulogy uh, to Joanne and the servant that she was. That, that if there's anything said of me, if there's anything that is evident of the way that I live, that's what I desire to also have said about me. I was faithful, faithful to the very end. That there was not a moment in my life that I ever gave any kind of indication as though I was wavering one way or another, but I was set firmly upon the foundation that has been laid on my behalf, which is Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, is also speaking of the same thing. But his purpose of sharing these specific words is to remind the church that they of the foundation they've been given because there's a danger of them moving away from it. That there are other things that are evident within the church that is showing that they are not sitting or standing firmly upon the foundation of Christ. And Paul is sending them a message to remind them that this should be of number one priority. This should be of utmost importance. And it's Christ and Christ alone. The very foundation by which we have a living hope of life, of eternity with God, our King and our Creator. And all of His promises are firmly secure in Christ. And this is your foundation. This is what should be evident in the things that you say and the things that you do. And Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he's reminding them that, hey, some of the things that's coming out of the body right here is not of Christ. We need to make sure that our bearings are right and our priorities are straight. The foundation for every Christian is found in Christ every day in humility and a contrite heart. 
And this is Paul's call. And this I found to be a personal call for myself. And so the message sharing this morning is all about my own personal revelations. And if you happen to be in the same boat with me, then let's tread water together. And let's completely trust and rely on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning for all that we need in all such things. From the practical things to the most important things, Paul moves right into the most important topic in regards to the life that we're called to live with a pastoral heart reminding the church of what forms them, what gives them the security, where is their foundation of hope, the center of life, the foundation of the faith. This is of most importance. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then, he, and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we lay before you at your feet our own hearts and our own thoughts and our own minds. Lord, the very lives by which you have given to us. Lord, if there is anything of us that is not of you, please, we ask that you remove it, that you rebuke it. And Lord, that we stand firm in the strength you've given to us through your Holy Spirit and the proclamation that your Spirit makes every day of the saving grace you've given to us through your Son. And we thank you for your word. Lord, may it be a lamp unto our feet and a light that guides our path this morning. Anything that is said that is not of you, may it fall to the floor harmlessly and be burnt up like chaff. But your very words, Lord, may they pierce our hearts and make us to, to understand that which you desire for us to understand, that we may have eyes to see you in your direction, ears to hear you in your truth, and hearts that are humble to obey what you have commanded us to do. We love you, and we thank you, and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in our text, Paul, he, he drops the anchor of stability for the church, for them to have a, 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 a renewed bearing, because the bearing is off a little bit, everything that is meant to be tethered to. And so working through our text this morning on the path, we'll be observing what our foundation is and how we stand upon it securely. And so, looking at verses 1 through 2 again, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. He says, I want to remind you, and, and anything that I do with my students, whenever we're, we're doing Bible exegesis, if you see the word therefore, I always ask, what is the therefore? Therefore, let us go beyond and before to find out what this next movement is that, that the author is intending to share the Holy Spirit through those whom he have given the charge for pen to paper. 
But in here, in this, in this moment, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. And if, if there is a charge to be reminded of something, then there's an implication that something's being forgotten. A lot of times I have a conversation with my youngest daughter. I have to remind her to clean her room. I have to remind her that the food that's sitting in front of her on the table is her food and she can eat it. She doesn't have to take 30 minutes to eat it. This purpose of reminding is due to there being an indication that something is starting to be forgotten, starting to lessen the grip on that which is supposed to have a firm hold upon. And he says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. We have a great authority placed upon the gospel. We do. Two different times in this small section of Scripture, Paul reminds the church in Corinth of the things that we have been taught and the things that we know because they have come from Scripture. And there should be a great authority upon the Word of God for our own life. For it is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it is through the scriptures that we hear and we see and we taste and we understand the gospel. The scriptures themselves attest to who Christ is from Old Testament to New Testament. And Paul sharing with us, reminding the great authority that is placed upon the scriptures and what it is that the scriptures proclaim. The scriptures declare the gospel is the very thing that defines us as believers, which makes our faith stand apart from others and what drives all the life of response to it. That the gospel should be permeating every aspect of our life and then should be reflected upon everything else that's associated in my life. Is the gospel doing that? That is the foundation by which we stand upon. And these words are important because the church is in danger of making something else its foundation. That's what Paul is sharing. I must remind you. I desire to remind you. And now I will remind you of who you are. There's a danger of forgetfulness. And we all need reminders, don't we? I need reminders all the time, all the time. Our culture and our world and our society, as human beings, reminders are wonderful and nice. In fact, there's a multi-million dollar business that solely focuses on reminding people, sticky notes. I looked this up. I, I was very surprised. I thought it'd be, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Two billion dollar industry, sticky notes. I don't, I don't feel so bad <laughs> of being forgetful. All throughout the history of the church, we see the forgetfulness of the gospel and the adhering to bad news. Followers of Christ building upon shifting sands of the culture, allowing ugly influences of society and quick compromises of the truth. But we should never slack in remembering the gospel, and we should never neglect 
the preaching or even the hearing of the gospel, I highly encourage you to always be filled with the truth of God. Even, even when we depart on Sunday morning and Sunday evening, that throughout the week that you are continuously feeding upon the word of God. It is the sustenance for our soul. We'll be very malnutritious if, if we are only here on Sunday and only getting what is being fed to us from the pulpit one time. And Pastor Nate has shared it multiple times that this place, this is a place where we gather together as the body and we have that kickstart to inspire and to encourage your spirit throughout the week to continue to be feeding upon the word of God. It is important, it is vital to our survival in this world to be constantly reminded and constantly drawing from the living well that never runs dry. For man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. To know his word and to know the gospel is so important. The church is commanded to preach the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You know what the Greek influence there is in season and out of season? When it's comfortable and when it's not comfortable. Which what Paul is saying is that we should always be sharing the gospel all the time. And if we're going to share the gospel effectively, we need to know what the gospel is. Do we know what the gospel is? It's, it's more than just saying Jesus died for my sin. The gospel is considered to be good news. We need to share why that's good news. Yes, his death and his sacrifice are sufficient for all, and it is the cornerstone of our faith. But why did he do that? And that's what Paul is reminding them of. Don't forget the gospel and why it is good news. If there's anything in life that we should be passionate about, it is the gospel. And I don't mean passionate only when sharing it with others. I mean passionate when thinking about it, dwelling upon it, meditating on it, rejoicing on it, allowing it to color the very way that we look at the world, to influence the way that we speak and affecting the way that we act, that we move, and that we breathe while we're still in this world. The only one thing of most importance in our life, and that is the gospel. And to be so bold as to proclaim and to declare it as Paul did in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 for he says I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes there's beauty and there's sustenance and there's power and there's authority in the gospel are we so unashamed of the foundation of our faith that we preach the gospel every day and at times use words I heard a preacher share that one time. I thought, man, that's really clever. Yeah, you really nailed that. But then as I walked away, I was like, man, but that's so truthful. We should always be sharing the gospel. And at times, we should use words. What he was saying there is that our actions speak louder than words. A lot of times I, I, I make the proclamation. I could, say, I could say that I am whoever I want to be in our culture today, and that's accepted. I, I could say that I'm a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. What are you laughing about? You haven't seen me run a 100-yard dash. <clears throat> but obviously, that's not true. I could say it all day long that I want to. That's not true. But on the other side, I will stand here and proclaim proudly that I am a blood-bought, born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I have evidence to back it up. I do. And that is what is of most importance. For the gospel is not just words on a page. The gospel is embedded in my heart. That it's evident in my relationships. That it's proclaimed in my home. That it's imputed upon my children. That it's enacted between me and my wife. Just as the scriptures say. And the good news of Christ Michael Tate, the lead singer of the Newsboys, had asked a question in a concert attending, uh, a a youth concert I attended a few years ago. It was a very good question. And he asked, is there enough evidence in your life that a jury would convict you of being a gospel-living follower of Jesus Christ? You've probably heard this before. If you were being tried uh, and and convicted in, in, in front of a jury, and what is being said against you is that you are a follower of Christ, would you be guilty? First John chapter 2, verse 6, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. A judge and jury would need to examine the physical evidence that it may or may not convict you as standing firmly upon the gospel. In a court of law, the attorneys would call witnesses to stand to testify against you or on your behalf. Do the people closest to us see us standing upon the gospel? If we're innocent and set free because of a lack of evidence, do we feel relief that we have escaped persecution or regret that the foundation by which we stand upon is not the solid rock? If we're declared guilty of standing upon the gospel and sentenced to death, are you rejoicing that you may partake in that which our Lord also If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's Jesus' words in Luke chapter 9. Do we allow our ears and our eyes and our hearts to be reminded of the gospel every day? Do we stand firm upon the everlasting truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, proclaiming him as the chief cornerstone of our faith? The gospel is not a bunch of collected words used to make people happy. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is not established by human ability or human wisdom, but built through the power of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. What is the gospel? What is the good news? To know what the good news is, we need to know what the bad news is. The bad news is that we have a sinful nature. We inherited it from our our spiritual mother and father of Adam and Eve. The moment that they had sinned in the garden, sin came into the world and flesh is subject to it. Paul talks about this in his epistles. The writer of Hebrews mentions this, that through one man sin entered to the world and the whole world is infected by it. That our relationship, apart from Christ, or prior to Christ, is one of enmity. That we're enemies of God. And that his justice being right and pure and true, the just thing to do would be to die, me, because of my sin. For I have sinned against the moral law of God. 
And it's not a picture of God being cruel. It's not a picture of God uh, placing over people and, 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 and subjecting them to that of his own cruelty because he is God. No, his justice and his righteousness to see that which is unjust and unrighteous would be to offer to it what it deserves. And that's what sin deserves. Sin deserves death for the wages of sin is death. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. We cannot claim for ourselves any kind of righteousness towards the moral law of God. Isaiah even mentioned that our most righteous deeds are like filthy rags. They're no good. We can do all the good things that we want to on our own every day. But you know what it amounts to? Filthy rags. That's bad news. <laughs> It's bad news. Apart from Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Romans chapter 5. That's bad news. And this is why the gospel is such good news. That Christ lived the perfect life that I could not live according to the scriptures. He lived the perfect life I could not live. He died the death that I deserve according to the scriptures. I deserve that death. His body bore my iniquity. His back bore my stripes. His blood cleanses and covers. And he was buried. And God, declaring that that which Christ had provided was sufficient, he rose him from the grave on that third day. That is the good news that the life that he lived was perfect, that the death that he died was perfect, and the sacrifice that he made was perfect, sufficient for everything that I am incapable of providing. So God raised him from the dead on that third day, declaring that everything he did was sufficient. There's nothing that needs to be added. There's nothing that needs to be substituted for. Christ is sufficient, and his death and his burial and his resurrection is proof of that. That's good news. Because everything by which Christ has accomplished, he has accomplished on my behalf and now is imputed upon me. Think about a, a bank account. You have a bank account and you look at your bank account and you wish that it was certain numbers that was placed in your bank account. And one day you notice that the numbers are greater than what you deserve. Somebody has imputed or placed within your account something that you have not earned and that you do not deserve. That is the same concept then we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, that God looks upon us and our sin and the nature of the flesh, and we are covered with Christ by his blood. We are clothed with his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And so that when God looks upon us, he no longer sees us in our filth. He sees us through his son. That is good news. And that's the gospel. That's what we stand firm upon, not by my own might or my own strength. For we have been saved by faith, by grace through the Lord Jesus Christ, and not our own doing, so that any man may boast it is a gift of God. And that is our foundation. That is the gospel. And that's why it's good news. Are we living faithfully on this foundation? That's the second point. We need to know what our foundation is, which is the gospel. It's the good news. We need to know why it's the good news. The second point, are we living firmly upon it? Listen to what Paul has to say. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That's super important. If you're an individual that likes to highlight and underline in, in, in your Bible, this is a great one to underline. That if we have any question in regards to the things by which Paul is teaching in the New Testament, we know we have a reference to go to. And that's the Old Testament. Look at the Law and the Prophets. Jesus himself made this declaration in the Gospels whenever he's speaking to the Pharisees. He says, you think that you can find what you need in your own text, in your own writing, but the Scriptures have spoken of me. The Law and the Prophets have spoken of me, and I stand before you. And they still stood on shaky ground. In accordance to the scriptures, Christ died for us. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. There's number two. You can underline that too. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Are we living firmly upon this foundation, upon the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose to make proclamation that sin and death no longer has its hold upon those who are called by him, but that we have life, everlasting life, true life? Why is the gospel so important? But just as the heart pumps life-giving blood through the body, so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart that pumps life-giving truth through the soul. There are many individuals who have gone throughout history and made the declaration that they will die and they will rise again. But you know what the difference between them and Christ is? They're still in the grave. Jesus is not. He is alive and living and reigning at the right hand of the throne of glory. And his spirit dwells within his children that he is the shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice and are drawn to him, that he is the ruler of the cosmos. Think about that for a moment. Not just a single star. We're talking about galaxies within galaxies within universe, the cosmos, the full blanket, the full tent by which God had spread in the night sky, according to the psalmist, and he had pitched it as a tent, as a dwelling place for his creation. And I love that. Because it shows just how small and insignificant that I am. And yet I'm, I am somebody worth dying for. Psalm 8. Who am I, O Lord? You are mindful of me. I look at the expanse of the heavens. And yet you are mindful of me. And David didn't even have a telescope. Had the opportunity to take some students out to the middle of nowhere <laughs> uh, this past Thursday to look at the stars. We've, we've started an astronomy section in science and teaching them the foundations of the universe are not founded by man. They're founded by God, the star breather. And we got to see nebula. When was the last time you saw it? Anyone here ever seen a nebula? Yes. Isn't it beautiful? In the naked eye through a telescope? Not just on a picture, but seeing a nebula seeing a planet we got to see venus up close it was it was kind of a half venus because of its rotation in in the, the solar system but it was marvelous god established these things in the same manner he's established his word romans chapter 1 verses 20 through 21 
all creation, we can look upon creation and see his eternal power, his divine nature, clearly throughout all creation so that man is without excuse. Without excuse. And we don't, we don't have to look up at the stars. We see a little bit of spring coming forward here and the flowers blooming and the bees flying and the birds chirping. This morning, I loved it. Before my alarm went off, the Lord woke me up. There were birds outside singing. They were doing what they were created to do, which is to glorify and magnify God. The next time we get irritated with the sound of birds singing, I want to remind you, they're just doing what they're created to do. They're singing. They're proclaiming. All creation proclaims. And we're part of that. But we've been considered ambassadors to this creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. You have dominion over the earth, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the beasts of the field, even the creepy crawlers. And I invoke that authority a lot. I give them one warning. And then my foot. <laughs> I should be more gracious. But just as the Lord has ordained such things, he's ordained his word. It is a firm foundation. Are we standing firmly upon the firm foundation? When meditating on the word of God, we're to realize that this world is not all that there is. That there's, it's, it's not even the most important we live for our blessed hope. We set our affections on the things above, not on things on the earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but on the things of heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. For we live in the light of life, which is to come in the presence of God and the glory of the eternal heaven. This is the gospel that Paul is reminding us of, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And by dying, there's the assumption that someone has lived, and Jesus lived the perfect life. He was without Sin. He is our great high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, so that by him we can approach the throne room of grace and we can do so in confidence. What is that confidence? It's the confidence of knowing that I am saved and sanctified, redeemed and reborn by the blood of Jesus, and I can approach the throne of grace in humility and reverence of the God of all creation and know that I'm his child and I'm not his enemy. And it's not by anything that I can do or anything that I have done. It is solely by what Jesus has done for me. This is why Jesus died for our sins. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed this is where the grand problem of humanity is solved. It's solved. Humanity in sin from the garden of creation, rebelling against God's instruction, living in ways that pursue wickedness and evil, following the flesh, giving hearts unto idols, violence and disregard for others, distanced from God and under judgment for sin, destined for the wages of sin and death. This is why Jesus died. This is why he died restore and redeem to renew he bore the full wrath of God's justice upon himself becoming the propitiation of our sin his death atones for our sin and pays the debt that we can never pay and offers forgiveness a gift that we could never earn we can't ever earn it and a new life and a firm foundation 
There is no gospel at all unless Christ lived the perfect life we could not live. There's no gospel at all unless Christ died the death that we deserve. There's no gospel at all if Jesus didn't raise from the dead in the declaration of offering a life that we could never earn. But that is the gospel. And he did it. And it's sufficient. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh sin, is your sting? Not only has Jesus dealt with the cosmic problems of sin, but he also walked out of the grave. He left it empty that even the sin of the flesh could not hold us any longer. For he has conquered both spirit and flesh and the very enemies that we have. And that is good news. And I can look upon the truth of the gospel and hope and make the proclamation is that I've got a good feeling that in the midst of everything that may be going wrong in front of me, it's going to be all right because my king lives and his spirit resides within me. That the very words of my mouth, that they not be my own, but they be his spirit that's pouring forth from me. The very things that I do within my body are not of my own, but I've been instigated by the spirit who resides within me. And I love that. I love that. There is a song, I've Got a Feeling, by Walt Mills. You know the song? It's an old gospel song. And in one of the stanzas of the song, he, he talks about uh, that first Easter morning. And so throughout, throughout the song, you, you see David, and David is standing before the Goliath. And this isn't a really good idea because you got little David and you got big Goliath, this big warrior who has thousands uh, of, of kills upon his hand. And yet here you have little David with just a sling and a stone. And you have David proclaiming, I, it's going to be all right. You come at me with a spear and a sword, I come at you in the name of the Lord. It's going to be all right. And one of the stanzas, one of the last ones, is, For on that first Easter morning the sun woke up the earth, and the caverns of the deep opened up as to give birth to a resurrected Savior with healing in his wings. And now the host of children rise and sing. Why? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel that our God reigns and rules and lives. I've got a feeling it's going to be all right. Because I'm not the one in control. I'm not. But I know who is. And I trust in him with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole soul, and my whole strength. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. I'm no longer who I once was. But I am who I am today because of Christ. I'm a new creation. It's not a sleight of hand. It's not a trick for a few clever followers. Jesus truly rose from the dead and appeared to Peter and to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, many of which were still alive as Paul is writing this. And so we have clarification uh, of his writing here. Jesus then appeared to his brother James and all the apostles. Last of all, Christ appeared to Paul himself on the road to Damascus, a suffering servant taking on the transgressions of the people, the king taking his throne through a tomb. This is what is of first importance. Is it important in our life? Are we standing upon the firm foundation? For he was crucified for us, body was broken. Upon himself the iniquity of our sin, pain and punishment that we deserve, poured out 
through his blood to cleanse and to wash, taking from us death and eternal separation from God and granting to us everlasting life. I don't think I need to remind any of you. I think, I think you are right where you need to be. But if there is a reminder that's needed, let me remind you, apart from Christ, we have nothing. Separated from him, we are nothing. And everything that is of value, everything that is of truth, everything that is of good, everything that is right, Ephesians chapter 2, is found in Christ. And we will know what is good and right and true if we're familiar with it. If we're familiar with it. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but whenever you hear a message or whenever you're reading the scripture and something, man, it just really hits you and you want more of it, you know what that is? That's the gospel. That our soul so much longs for the things of God that when we get a taste of it, the dripping of honey from the comb, when we get a taste of it, we want more of it, and so we seek more of it out. We have a hunger for it. We have a thirst for it. It's our spirit saying, this is of God, and this is what I need for sustenance. And so we're drawn to it, and we seek it. Please, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, do not develop a lacking. Do not starve your spirit. Do not allow your spirit to go thirsty, for we have everything we need, and it's right here. It is a firm foundation. Are we standing upon it and living it? Is it evident in the things we say and the things that we do? Is it prominent in our own home, in our family, in our children? We, we are the first defense for our children. Those of us who are parents, even grandparents, we are the first line of defense. We have been ordained by God. Nobody else has this responsibility. He has given us this responsibility to lead our family and our home. Men, for you and your wife and your children, and ladies, for you and your husband and your children, we see it in the scriptures. The scaffolding is there. The examples have been given. We are to stand firmly upon this foundation. And it should be evident in the lives that we live. And our calling is to proclaim. Whether it was I or they, we preached and you believed. Are we preaching the gospel? And at times, are we using words? We'll have a final song this morning before we dismiss. And you're welcome to stand or sit or kneel in prayer. We're going to have elders on the outside of the room here that you're welcome to meet with them. If you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaimed the good news that he offers, please see them. Please have this conversation. If you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and the good news is a part of your life, but you're not standing so firmly upon it because there are other things in this world that you've allowed to come in and take residence upon this foundation, I highly encourage you, please see our elders and be willing to make a submission to get rid of such things that are not of God. The time that we're going to have this morning is a time that I encourage you to seek the Lord, to know his word, and to stand firmly upon the foundation by which he has provided. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you are good. 
and you are holy and you are righteous. You are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of every word of our mouth and every thought in our mind and every desire of our heart. And Lord, if there are thoughts and words and desires of our life that are not of you, we ask, Lord, for your spirit to denounce and to drive out and to have no longer a part of who we are so that we may stand before you unshackled and not bound by the things of this world, but seeing the life that you've given through Jesus and living the gospel and the good news of what you have provided. We thank you, Lord, for this foundation that you've set. We thank you for those who have gone before us and the examples that we have and whom we can follow. I thank you, Lord, for the leadership that you have offered for this church family. And I thank you, Lord, for the hearts of those who hear and desire to walk after you and have a longing for obedience. Please, Lord, fill us. Remove all that is of our own doing and fill us with you so that we may honor and glorify you in the things we say and the things we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Stand and sing. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. We'll gather together to lift up your name, to call on your Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering. As your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that our God saves, our God saves, there is hope. Oh
Sunday school classes. We have a class called the Bible Recap out here in the foyer. Anybody's welcome to join us for that. We also have a Revelation class back here. I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week. Bye.